On the Ball is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet in multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everyone, welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, I am The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent and a very good day to you all. For you this week, when rivalries fizzle out, King Tim and welcome back Flem. Leading us through it all, we have our esteemed on the ball regulars, Norwich City stats guru, NCFC numbers, aka Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And live and extended Hodge spot from our favourite Scott, Stuart Hodge. What's a big spot? Is that like a, I don't know, a sort of acne? Hodge acne? <laughs> Why not? Aye. You've said it. <laughs> Uh, let me remind that's you by the way uh, let me remind you <laughs> that a subscription to The Athletic not only gets you great articles to read but also access to this and all our podcasts ad free through the app you can subscribe now with a 40% discount by heading to theathletic.com and using the code NORWICHPOD it works out at about £3 per month gentlemen how are we Steve how are you very well thank you yeah yeah um, uh, just obviously a bit of a come down from last week's pod uh, with Hux and Ewan, but instead of two excellent footballers, well, you just nice. have two very good footballers this week. This is very, this is very true. I've seen you both in action. Um, uh, your kitchen's not quite as echoey. No, <laughs> it's not quite as big. I think. No, in fact, nice. my house maybe not be quite as big. I, I mean, it's, it's all related to your football skills as well. <laughs> Stu, how are you? I'm very good. I'm still basking in the glory of. Like, I'm just thinking about the FA Cup now. <laughs> so I, I was, I was in the end at Spurs the other night, and oh my goodness. How good was that? Well, we're definitely going to be getting onto that. Uh, you say basking, um, as with the athletic, you're, you're in your Orlando Magic vest. Yes, that's because I'm a keen basketball fan and basketball journalist, I'll have you believe. Indeed. Should, I should also add, just in case anyone was offended by the acne comment, I had acne when I was a teenager. It's not very nice. <laughs> I'm glad we revisited that. Uh, right, uh, let's get on to the pitch, shall we? Uh, we're going to start sadly with the Premier League, uh, as has kind of been the case for most of the season, but there we go. Uh, Sheffield United, that's where Norwich headed to. On Saturday to Bramall Lane, they of course lost 1-0. Yeah, you can read my piece over at The Athletic right now. That's on Daniel Farker, Chris Wilder and their little rivalry, which I guess um, thawed somewhat, but did kind of extend to uh, both groups of players, both sets of <laughs> fans, of course. Um, which I suppose leads me to the disappointment because... In a way, it feels like uh, Sheffield United, you know, they beat Norwich City on, on Saturday and they didn't really care that they beat Norwich, which to me sort of felt like the rivalry has officially fizzled out and they don't care anymore and they've kind of left Norwich behind. Yeah, although from uh, Billy Sharp's comments in the um, the article that you wrote, it seems like he still cares. We might hear those in a bit. So, Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. No, 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 good. Spoiler good luck, but it does, it does, yeah, it seems like he still cares, even if um, even if Wilder and the rest of the fans don't so much. Yeah, I suppose for them, it was kind of like a, a routine win. Uh, and for us, it just feels like Groundhog Day, really. Lots of huffing and puffing, lots of having the ball, creating the odd chance, 
but ultimately just not quite being good enough. Yeah, powder puff in front of goal, conceded a silly, sloppy goal. It's kind of the opposite of what Sheffield United have done. They've been mm. tight at the back and they've had a threat, a spearhead when they've needed it in attacking areas. I'm quite surprised in a way because coming into the season, my feeling was we would concede a lot of goals but score a lot of goals. It's just not been like that. I mean, there's only really been one reliable goal scorer and he's kind of not in the, the, the best run of form at the moment in Pookie. The only other one that I would really rely on to, to score more often than he doesn't is, and I'm surprised at this as well because I wouldn't have said this coming into the season's Todd Cantwell. Like, I would back him to, to take chances and he's taken really well to the Premier League. There's lots of positives about this season in, in loads of ways, but... Um, that I mean, I might as well admit it. I think we're gone already. Like, I, I don't oh, really see us. Can we <laughs> don't know. two minutes? Well, six minutes. Oh, Sorry, we're man. We're laying off. I mean, it's certainly created chances. Um, yeah, but it's it's probably the the lack of lack of taking them. And I mean, Sheffield United, I find very interesting because I, I mm. think sometimes I articulate how I feel about Sheffield United, <laughs> and, and it seems to wind people up in Sheffield. Oh, the Yorkshire mob so, love you. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit a bit big fan club in Yorkshire. They're always <laughs> waiting for me. But uh, I, I mean, it's interesting because I I looked at them on Saturday again I don't see anything spectacular in terms of what they do and I, I personally don't think their players are as technically gifted or uh, as as a lot of Norwich's players mm. uh, what I would add to that is the, the probably the best moment of technical ability was um, John Lundstrom's cross which yep. was outstanding and to be honest the way the way Billy Sharp um, dived to head it home was fantastic as well but it's all in the coaching and the way that they manoeuvre spaces on the flanks and it just constantly got these overloads that Norwich didn't really get to grips with I think because they were hoping to be able to dominate the middle and create spaces through the lines in the middle and and then that just didn't happen it happened more maybe in the in the second half but again they didn't really work Dean Henderson particularly hard other than than one opportunity Norwich I think what they do is they've got a way of going about their business and in the Premier League last season they were able to carve opponents up at will because the teams aren't as good that you're facing whereas I think this season Norwich City um, everyone always goes on about plan A is there a plan B I don't think there is but I think Norwich have just got so good at doing plan A better and that's what they keep trying to do. And the spells in games where we can we can have teams on the rack a wee bit are the spells where we're executing that plan A to just about the, the, the best possible level that these players can. It's a lot harder to play the way Norwich City are playing in some ways than it is the way Sheffield United are playing. That's not taken away from what Sheffield United are doing because Alan Nell and Chris Wilder are both really sort of good heads. And I think Wilder's kind of maybe the bark but I think the, the, the kind of bite comes from Alan Nill's tactics because he's really, really clever. You've got the, the overlapping centre-backs and, and that kind of thing. It's very, very intelligent from a tactical perspective. And I think that perhaps makes up for some of the, the sort of weaknesses technically in the players that you talk about. And I think that's, that's a very important factor to, to, to look at. But the other thing is, when we were trying to do plan A better, and when we were getting the chances, like the the one with the sort of triple save and, and Jamal Lewis coming in at the far post, Daniel Farker was kind of standing, just like sort of looking for the players to do better. You saw Chris Wilder, he's just having a wee word in George Baldock's here, here, and just little tweaks as the game goes. And it's those little factors that I think have, have sort of really made a difference for Sheffield United this season. And I must say, I'm a big admirer of what they've come up and done. Yeah, I, th- I think we may be in danger of underrating some of their players a little as well. Um, they are exceptionally well coached. I don't think the underlapping centre-halves thing could work unless you are really, really well drilled. Um, they I, didn't do that for like the first no, 10 weeks of the season. Either. No, they so didn't. They, they've done a lot more they've than that. Most built definitely. on it. I mean, that... that 
um, I was looking and that, that aside from the two strikers, that back nine, if you like, well, obviously mm-hmm. that's not how they play, um, have missed 10 games between them all season. So obviously there's that consistency factor. Um, I think John Fleck is an excellent player. I thought he had a really good game. So much energy. Steve Clark um, doesn't. <laughs> this is we're not we're not going on to the Scottish no, national no, team no. again. <laughs> not not now. There's a time. No, Craig Levine. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and I thought Basham looked really good as well. I thought he had an excellent game. There was mm. one. Who is it? He turned. He, he did a great bit of skill in the box. He might have been, Paul Gascoigne at one point. Yeah, he did. Didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Was it Jamal? He, he, he beat, yeah, I can't I remember. So, I might yeah. be doing him a yeah. disservice. Um, so I do think they've got some excellent individuals, albeit. If you added up the, you know, if we would all to sell all our players this summer, you still say Norwich would, would gather a lot more. Yeah, that's what I would say as well, but then I'd probably get a stick for it. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, uh, we mentioned what Billy Sharp said. Um, let's hear from Billy Sharp, Chris Wilder, and also Daniel Farker, who was speaking after the game on Saturday. Does it make any difference that it was Norwich today, Billy, after this, you know, the several seasons you guys have been sort of battling in and out? Does it matter? Yeah, we still, we're still hurting that we, they pitched us a tile, I'm not going to lie, but um, we've got two or three over and on now, um, obviously two in the Premier League, so um, we just we try and win every game, but um, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't forget that, and we, obviously we wanted to beat them again today. They said, you know, the the, the really dangerous opposition, and with with ten or nine games to go, whatever they've got, you know, it's real. I think it's a feel of we've got nothing to lose, and I think there's a there's a few teams obviously above them that have got an hell of a lot to lose. Us Norwich, I'm not so sure as much as as Aston Villa were, were, were tipped to be adrift by by uh, by Christmas, and uh, and obviously I'm delighted in our position and. Um, and Dan and his team, I'm sure, will will cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams between now and the end of the season. And I'm not just saying it; I won't be surprised. As I said, that dangerous one that that people think that have gone, they, they certainly haven't gone today. Uh, not not what I've watched and what I've what I've seen. Yeah, of course, you feel a bit more disappointed when you are in the position where we are. But um, it's it's also important to judge it level-headed. Yeah, and we know. So it's more like the less games we have, the more difficult it will be. And and uh, of course, we need need to win points if we want in our little, little miracle. Yeah, sadly, uh, yeah, we didn't get away with one point or even with three points was possible today. And we have then to concentrate on the next task. That's definitely for sure. There we go. We heard from Daniel Farker as well. There, Stu. Yeah, um, I un- I failed a late fitness test for the the Hodge spot last week, so apologies for that if anyone missed me. But in the one before that, I really called out Daniel Farker after the Wolves game. I said that we needed better um, in terms of the, the the management of the team, and I have to say that even the the defeat at the weekend notwithstanding, we've seen more proactive approach from Daniel Farker. He's adjusted it tactically. He's um, tried to be a bit more adventurous in terms of going forward. Um, in particular, I was really pleased during the Spurs game um, when we were kind of chasing the, the equalising goal, how he went to a sort of, he, th- he threw Adam Idon, went to a sort of 4-1-3-2 kind of shape. And uh, um, it's fair saying at Sheffield United, he went, he, he changed it at half-time, yes. brought uh, Josip Drimic on, they went to a diamond, yes. which we haven't seen him play that very often, um, certainly for that length of time. And before the end, Adam Ida was also on the pitch, so he had three... Three forwards all and, on and pushing, and they were and they were better in the second half. I think I think what we should say is although we weren't great on Saturday, they were up against a very good side. I was looking actually the way the first half panned out compared to the Wolves game. Uh, I know you can't build too much in terms of shots, but we were actually three one up in terms of shots before the thirtieth minute in both of those games. So it kind of panned out the same way. And then in Wolves, uh, with the fifteen minutes before half time, they had nine shots and we failed to have any. And Sheffield United we had six shots and failed to have any. And whereas at Wolves, Farker 
didn't change a thing. If I, I don't think he changed anything at halftime. Don't no, remember him changing anything at halftime. And obviously, we then conceded the third, and it just got worse and worse. This one, at least, he was proactive, and I, I thought we did get back in the game with those changes. I mean, I thought it was a better performance than against. Um, yes, oh, Wolves, questionably, to be yeah. honest, by by yeah. a distance. So. And but for Henderson, I mean, I, I, personally, I I think Sheffield United deserve to win, but for Henderson. We could be talking about a point because how that stayed out, we will never really know. Yeah, initially, I, I still get a bit confused. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal goalkeeping, certainly at the start. There's definitely a bit where it hits Mario Vrancic's arm. Mm. I just couldn't. And I think after that point, it probably would have got chalked off. But I think the bit where the VAR or the goal line check was on, yeah. on how far the ball had gone over, I think that was still before it hit Mario Vrancic's arm. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I, it's like I need to keep watching it back. But I just can't be bothered with these discussions. <laughs> but he is some goalkeeper, in fairness to Dean Henderson. Mm. I, watched, I caught him as he was walking off the pitch after his warm-up watching just standing there looking at the big screen I was like what's he watching he was watching himself uh, but it was quite it was quite the highlights reel and as someone uh, on Twitter said to me um, it's now slightly longer <laughs> so there we go um, does drawing really change anything uh, bear in mind we are currently recording on Monday evening Leicester are currently 1-0 up I mean I would say that this means it wouldn't change anything if Villa won today it would significantly uh, we're going to come on to talk about goalkeepers, I think. And if anyone's not seen Pepe Reina's howler for the opening goal in this game, check it out. It's quite something. Um, I think a draw would have been a, a good result, actually. I never I never thought we'd get a win from this game. And I think had we taken a point, we'd at least be a little bit closer. Um, I think yeah, we, we may well come on to talk about the Saints game. But what it does mean is that we absolutely must win that now. I think if we don't win that, then I might be in the Hodge camp. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just think it's all window dressing by this point. I really do. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of focused on the FA Cup. I think there's elements about the Premier League that are interesting, but it's more about the kind of individual narratives now. Can Amy get a few goals to add some more money to his potential price tag? Can any of the other players that we're looking um, to, to maybe get value from in the summer maybe do something? Can we see anything from any of the new boys um, that gives us gives us inclination to think that there's there's reason to be confident ahead of next season? Um, it's, all, it's all the kind of smaller sort of plots that I'm, I'm kind of looking at now. Can I, can I just throw a quick sort of inconsequential Billy Sharp stat in as I didn't tweet it at the weekend. Oh, yes, first, first player to score in all three decades of the 21st century against Norwich. Is that team. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I, good. I was thinking that he's kind of, kind of gone under a little bit the radar in terms of how many goals he scored against Norwich. Yeah. Because not only that, he scored the winner at Sheffield United he last did. season and he scored the equaliser at Carrow Road. Actually and a fairly similar scored, header. I think he scored both at Carrow Road, didn't he? He did, yeah, because he got the penalty. Got the pen, which celebration <laughs> <laughs> thanks to our good pals at beer52.com you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world all you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball and pay the postage of four pounds 95 and as if that wasn't enough on the ball listeners get two extra free beers so that's 10 free beers and i know this is happening because two of them tweeted me during the week um so i hope you're enjoying your beers guys uh, beer 52 are beer pioneers they travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries they are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. 
The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball to get your case free. And don't forget right now, on the ball listeners, get two extra free beers. Please drink responsibly. So uh, there was some positive action on the pitch for Norwich City in the last week. And we were lucky enough to have uh, Stu plus freelance broadcast journalist and Norwich fan, Michael McCann, in the away end at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I reckon we should listen to this. Welcome to From the Away End. Coming to you from the catchily named Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs 1, Norwich 0, a defiant on the ball City going out. As the set piece was won, I did sarcastically say, well, they've been so good at defending these kinds of situations this season. And lo and behold, as the Scotsman next to me just said. Right, I like Farka ball, but sometimes there's a time to just boot the ball away. I'm really encouraged by how we played. And what about this football stadium? It's absolutely spacey. The second half's just got underway. Norwich City have lost all 15 games this season in the Premier League when they've conceded first. They're 1-0 behind here, obviously in the FA Cup. Any hope? Prediction? Yeah, I don't think we can get it to extra time anyway. Norwich of equalised! left and it is 1-1 it is not a moment Michel Vaughan will want to remember but it is a moment that Norwich City fans will remember with fondness I think we might have just seen one of the all-time great goal line clearances let's hope it doesn't prove in vain 1-1 full time and whatever happens from here is very much a Brucey bonus, a performance to be proud of, if nothing else, from Norwich City. My heart is in not a very good state at the moment, but we managed to get to extra time. And I, I was really impressed by the, the bold tactics from Farker, 4 1 3 2, really going for it. And we got the goal. It is a penalty shootout for a place in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Eric Lamella will strike it. It's the top of the bar. Crawl had gone the wrong way. Adam Ida for 1 1. And scores! It's a brilliant penalty. Troy Todd Cantwell to give Norwich City the advantage. Some people can't watch. Scores! Tim Krull saves this. Norwich are into the FA Cup quarterfinals for the first time since 1992. Takes a touch. Save! 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 Save!
performance. What a game. Thanks again so much, Michael McCann, putting that all together. Um, his uh, Twitter handle will be in the tweets and what have you and all sorts of stuff. And Stu, you were there. Sounded fun. I, that, honestly, like, I mean, I was at the Millwall game last season, which was really, really special because of the, the way it all happened. But that's definitely, I mean, to be honest, most of the away trips I've been on with Norwich, whether it was the commentator or whatever, were... A bit of a nightmare. <laughs> like we lost it places like Rotherham. I remember they played um like the Frank Sinatra New York. It is the loudest I've ever heard a PA in a football stadium. That's the kind of away trips I'm used to. Not stuff <laughs> like that. The stadium was absolutely amazing. Um Norwich were dead in their feet at the end of the 90, but somehow managed to get through extra time. Thanks, Jose Mourinho, for your pretty inept Spurs team. But yeah, I mean the penalty shootout. Do you know what? Most penalty shootouts, despite our ineptitude from the spot generally. With Tim Crew there, we're going to have a chance in any penalty shootout. There was definitely no ineptitude, though. No, there was. Oh, they um, were amazing. Oh, can I say I was? I was also there and bumped into Stu and Michael on my way out of the ground, and I can confirm that the noises that they were making in that audio clip were, were still largely similar. <laughs> five ten minutes later, uh, nothing had changed. Um, but yeah, the point is right about Krull. I mean, I, th- I mean, I thought he was our best player. Not that he made a lot of outstanding saves, but I thought he was our best player over the 120 minutes. And he's now faced 10 pens this season and saved four of them. And one of the others went wide. So that's a pretty good ratio. There right? was also the one that was retaken as well. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, which, which would then have been... Five saved out of ten. And, yes. and it's still Had on maps. transfermarket.com as a for saved penalty. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't removed that. He's, he's got two. One when he was beaten by uh, Pierre Emerick. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I suppose technically he did save I that penalty, but it's, it's lost, isn't it, to the annals now? This but is never true. Mind. Um, it's fair to say at this point you should probably go and read my piece on Tim Crawl over at the Athletic because it was it was good to put it was quite it was quite tight to put it together um, straight after the game. But I got to speak uh, to Franz Hook, who was the goalkeeping coach for the Netherlands at the 2014 World Cup. Really, really interesting talking to him about mm. how it all came about that they basically decided Tim Crawl should come on in that penalty shootout mm. and the processes that basically began with all three Dutch goalkeepers being rubbish at penalties and then them finding the best ways. And also how Franz himself developed his own um, sort of theories on how to be a really good goalkeeper at saving penalties. And the great way that he means talking about these things, he used to be a goalkeeper in the 80s in Holland. And it's just the way that Tim carries them out. And mm-hmm. I think there's so many things that make Tim Krul very good at penalties and especially in a penalty shootout. It was it was great speaking to him. And, and the interesting thing with that is that the third goalkeeper that the, the Dutch didn't use is Michel Vorm, who, of course, was at the other end. Or, well, the same end, but yeah. And um, probably made the best penalty save, actually, because his that. save yeah. from... Kenny, Kenny wasn't yeah, it, it was not a bad pretty, penalty at all. That it wasn't at all, and of course, it still comes down to luck because, as <laughs> as we know, the one penalty or no, there were two penalties that Tim dived the wrong way for, as good as the water bottle from Ed Wooden was, <laughs> um, and one of them went over the bar. You can't legislate for that, can you? So the the Lamela one was that that felt like the turning point in the shootout because um, I, I kind of at the start of it, like I, I just thought, oh, aye, the Scottish guy misses the penalty, Norwich go out um, after after Kenny missed, but I've got. 
wish, say, Adam Ida, man. Like, see the, the bottle on that kid to, to take a penalty and to take it like that. Todd Cantwell's was a, a cracker as well. Todd's is amazing because he's doing keepy-uppies. Yeah. Um, and I think, I've, I can't remember exactly what I've cut in. I think Todd talks about his keepy-uppies in this clip that I'm about to play. The one thing that Grant Hanley doesn't, but I spoke to him about, he, he said, speak to Adam Ida when he comes through because he asked me, as in Grant, which side did the goalkeeper go? Because he didn't even clock it. He was so focused on where he was putting the penalty. He couldn't have told you which way the goalkeeper went. And it wouldn't have mattered. No, exactly. Because <laughs> no. it was that good a penalty. And I think Tim Krull said, look, whatever you do, just smash it. And then he said, well, he didn't smash it. Did he sort of side-footed it into the top corner? But it was certainly quick enough. Uh, I tell you what, in that case, shall we hear from, and I'm not entirely sure on the order, but I think it's uh, <laughs> Todd Cantwell, Grant Hanley, and then Tim Krull. So is that the first time you've taken a penalty yeah, in that sort yeah, of situation? Yeah, my professional career is the first penalty I've taken. I've, I've always pushed for him, to be honest. I, yeah. I, I really like the, like the pressure of taking a penalty. I saw you yeah. taking keepy-uppies before you put the ball yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was reassuring myself as much as anyone else, to be fair. But but no, yeah, like I say, I like, I like the pressure of, of taking a penalty. So, yeah, enjoyed it. Have you scored many against him at training? To be fair, I've not actually... Last two I should practice against, I think, because the guy's a joke saving penalties. So, so yeah, I should, uh, I should practice against him, definitely. Tim as well came up with some huge saves during the game as well, didn't he? So he's really important in the actual 120 mm. minutes. No, no, of course, you know, Tim's been outstanding all season and, um, you know, he's done more than his fair share and he's kept us in it at times, especially tonight. And, you know, we need that and we're, you know, we're going to need that going forward. Have you scored a penalty against him in training? Me? Yeah. Have you <laughs> taken one against him ever? I think I've ever taken a penalty. No, I don't know. Really. You might have done. Have, <laughs> no, a, have I, a dig? I actually think Tim was before me to take one. <laughs> is he good at those as well well we probably better than me anyway but um, no like like I said he's, he's you know Tim's um, shown him throughout the season that he's you know he's a specialist at, at penalties and uh, you know we always fancy, fancy ourselves when we've got that Michelle hasn't been asking for tips then I suppose he was there in Brazil yeah fair good point are you like are you the most excited person when it goes into a penalty shootout let's yeah, be honest yes or no yes or no yes or no because there is pressure like the same thing obviously me coming on at uh, Brazil you're coming on for a reason if you don't save any you're the villain a little bit as well so yeah to do it though it's amazing amazing it just like this club, like these fans deserve something to shout about. We've said that, and and to have a home game in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, uh, what a yeah, what an amazing fixture that will be. So as we know now, uh, it is Manchester United that awaits in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. As we know, something Norwich haven't done since uh, 1992. Uh, the game is going to be on Sunday, March the 22nd. It's a half four kickoff. It will be live on BBC One and I'm sure other international outlets. Uh, it's not going to be particularly expensive to go along and some season ticket holders might miss out I suppose because uh, there's 4,000 allocation no no there'll definitely be enough for season ticket holders let me not stoke up any unnecessary <laughs> yeah, panic uh, but maybe it will be difficult for members to get um, tickets so obviously wish you luck if, you, if you're going um, especially because of the pricing good on the club for not fleecing the fans I have to say this is this is very true uh, past regimes I was going to say previous owners might have done um, 
I'm a bit worried about this. I mean, I know you were talking about, oh, let's, you know, we can focus on the FA Cup because it's great. I, I can't help feeling that United have got Norwich's number this season because they've been very good in both games. And I have my own theories on why, which I might release at the end of the season. But. They are, oh, well, I'd be interested to hear those, to be honest, mate. Um, I also think United, with Bruno Fernandes, have got an, a player that has pretty much transformed their team. They're a better team than the team that's done Norwich twice already. Cheers, Joe. Great. He hasn't played against him yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, as a, maybe, a chink of light there'll be Rashfordless and Rashford has been well I suppose along with Martial but I think Rashford has been our chief tormentor hasn't he yeah, in, the, in the two games so maybe there's something to hang on to there I I think we're a different team to the one that lost to them 3-1 yeah, early in the season true. as well so I, I don't know you know I'm not going to use magic of the FA Cup but I wouldn't completely rule us out of that and we're at Carroll Road of course that that's a big thing and I think the fact is just naturally, the mentality is going to be different. It's the whole one-off game type thing. Nothing to lose. Um, and I get the fact that we're, we're kind of on a hiding to nothing with the league games anyway, but it's just like you're almost taken out of that sort of box of, oh, it's the, the dreaded sort of battle against the drop. It's like, yeah, it's our first home game. We're on a historic run by, by recent standards. Let's just have a go. Which nothing I, to lose which I think we saw against Spurs yeah and things seem to be falling for them in the cup as well I mean I know we spoke about Henderson oh, earlier that, that's a jinx no no no, no. It's just, just as much like if you look at the you know I was thinking about Henderson and the fact that he's basically won the game Sheffield United in both games and you think of Leno for Arsenal making that brilliant save from McLean Patricio making a brilliant save from Teti when he turned it on the post every FA Cup game we've had this season I think the goal or the Preston goalkeeper had an awful match Hart, I think, kind of spilt that one straight into Dermich's path and then Vaughan did the same. So it's just like, it's it's weird how in the cup matches we seem to be getting the breaks we're not getting in the league. Like, well, uh, so what we really need is for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to play the reserve goalkeeper. Yes, please. Who, <laughs> who is who? Is it uh, Romero? Is it still Romero? Romero, yeah. still, I think. Uh, two points to note. Uh, the first one, Grant Halley will be suspended. Is That's that right? a beggie. Because um, he picked up a second yellow in the competition. Apparently they changed the rules this year, so he won't be fit. But it does sound like Norwich may well have three centre-backs. Is Closer likely so, to be back for that? I think he... I th- I, to be fair to Daniel Farker, he said probably the other side of that international break. And this game is on just before the international right. break. So he won't be far off. They could probably stick him on the bench if they were desperate, I would imagine. But I, I've given he's been so long out I don't know if I can see that but of course as long as Christoph Zimmerman and Ben Godfrey are both fit we'll be okay <laughs> um, it looks like Jamie Vardy's just scored Leicester's third so Villa will not be troubling Norwich everything is as was after the Sheffield United defeat I reckon that cue celebration no, we're staying up aren't we <laughs> we're staying up <laughs> the great escape is, is back on pretty much we were talking about Tim Krul of course the one thing we should touch on is Ralph Farman he is uh, on loan now for the rest of the season. His ties are over effectively um, with Norwich City. Uh, still a Schalke player, of course, but he's now headed off to uh, Brandbergen, I think it is, in Norway. Yep. I think a, a move that caught a few people out. It seems like there's a bit of a convoluted story between Schalke and Brand as to why it's happened. But um, I've been to Bergen. Uh, have you? Mm-hmm. I went on a snowboarding holiday with my dad when I was about 15. Nice. That, 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 that was my physical pomp. Like I'm now kind of <laughs> gone to seed. So, <laughs> so, if, <laughs> well, um, so if he doesn't get any game time there either, then at least he could take up snowboarding. I, I think he, right? should exactly. give up. he should give up if he doesn't get any games. That's clearly why he's gone, obviously. Um, and of course, there's a rather curious rumour suggesting Schalke would quite fancy a little nibble at Tim Krul 
in the summer. I have no really? idea if there's anything in that, and I really can't see Tim wanting to leave Norwich. Yeah. But you know, he he has proven that he can still play that at would, the top. That level. would be annoying for Ferman, wouldn't it? Spending an entire season behind Krull and then going back to Schalke <laughs> and finding Krull's turn up there as well. An interesting point here is um, as well as all of the kind of value that that sort of Premier League clubs always do that thing when it hits them in the face and players are actually playing well against them. Oh, this guy's actually quite good. But a lot of German clubs have admired the work that Stuart Weber's done in terms of building a squad, creating value, that sort of thing um, from afar. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially with Norwich being so active in the German market as well, to see interest in some of the players coming from, from that country over the summer. So not just big Premier League teams looking to maybe snap up our players, but also teams in the continent, including in Germany as well. Well, in fairness, you see the number of Premier League players that have moved to Italy, for example, this uh, this. Mm-hmm past year and like you say German German teams Leon keeping very close tabs on Ben Godfrey while he was still playing in the championship I mean I don't think you'd have seen that a few years ago either so mm-hmm. it'd be very interesting the sort of teams who do come in it's the exposure as well isn't it like even in the championship now um, and another note is if any of the Norwich players were to move Germany would be a really good move for them you look at the Jadon Sancho case and it's, it's evidence of how sort of going to that country can really help players on the Ball is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with your other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Apologies. This is the Michael Bailey apology section. Uh, I'm going to apologise to um, two clubs I visited in recent weeks uh, because they both lost uh, again at the weekend and they both lost when I went to see them. Uh, That is uh, Norwich City women. Really, really interesting watching them play. Really enjoyable watching them play in the East Anglian derby against Ipswich. They did get hammered 10-0, it's fair to say. Um, Ipswich having been hammered at Manchester City four days earlier by the same scoreline. So interesting what the two clubs in terms of Ipswich and Norwich, where they are, what their hopes are, where they plan to be, uh, especially in terms of Ipswich um, and the investment they want to put in, especially when you then read Simon Hughes's piece on how things aren't particularly happy at Ipswich. It'd be interesting if they're going to spend any particular money on the women's team when the men's team are um, equally struggling. But there we go. Um, You can read that piece. uh, That's over at The Athletic, as is my piece. I went to go and see Wroxham, which is a non-league team just north of uh, Norwich. Uh, They currently have Grant Holt and Simon Lappin playing for them. Of course, both Premier League players for Norwich and uh, Norwich City 
legend, uh, legendary <laughs> left back, Adam Drury is their assistant manager. Uh, they did get knocked out of the Vars, um, which was a shame, uh, but th- there's some big plans there at Wroxham and I think they're ticking on really nicely, although well, they did kind of, uh, well, they did lose at the weekend. You basically jinxed on them. A bog, on a bog of a what was it you that both, picked yeah. uh, Drury in your team of the decade? Was that? No. It was a bit late for me to include um, yeah, he only got Adam. ticked into the kind of start, didn't he? Yeah, I spoke to John Reddy the other week, though, and I did tell him that I made sure he was in my team of the decade. Mm. I think his reply was, well, obviously. <laughs> Fair <laughs> play. Who else would have been in? Well, so... Fraser Forster, according yeah, to this guy. Uh, Fraser Forster, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Tim? Uh, Fraser Forster, I think, is a better goalkeeper. We're not having John this Ruddy conversation. <laughs> never, never going to happen. It's John Ruddy all the way. Uh, so next up, this weekend at Carrow Road, it is Southampton. Craig Fleming is back at Carrow Road. I'm bigging that up because I did speak to Flem back in October. And again, if you if you scour <laughs> The Athletic, you'll be able to read my really lovely piece with him. I mean, the thing that sticks in my mind is that I went to go and see him in the September. And then between that and me writing it, Southampton lost 9-0 and were in real trouble, to be honest. And I was thinking, I'm just a bit worried they're going to pull the trigger on um, on Ralph Hasenhutl and, and then Craig might be gone. Um, yeah, they're not and in complete switch of fortunes. They've turned into some really good performances and, and being, I would say they're well safe of, of relegation. I just don't see it being a worry for them now. So um, they should turn up um, at Carrow Road with not much to play for and then just give Norwich the win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is uh, they kind of annoyed me this season because there was always that Ipswich sort of stat um, with the 9-0 and then that's 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 kind of gone into the ether. We interesting aside, um, Craig Fleming was actually managing the team in pre-season. I commentated a Southampton Cologne game and Ralph Hasenhutl was, I don't know, about ill or, or otherwise engaged. So uh, it was actually Fleming. I think I saw his managerial debut. Would that ah. be right? Um, yeah, I think because he, he helped Kelvin Davis in the game where they took caretaker charge. I think he was Kelvin's assistant. I don't think um, Craig was in charge of that. That was at Spurs, actually, I think, but it was at Wembley. Um, there you go, then. And I think they lost, because I remember him talking about that. But that was a really big moment for him, probably a bigger one for Kelvin, because it's his proper club. But it'd be lovely for Flem to come back to Carrow Road. He'll really be looking forward to that, I can yeah, assure I'm sure, you. I'm sure he will. I was, I was doing a bit of uh, random scout. Well, I was at the Olympic Stadium, not last weekend, but the weekend before, to see West Ham play them. Um, and Yeah, yeah. Um, scouting? It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a sort of a trip to London with a few hours spare that we happened to be passing through Stratford. So I went with my brother to see awesome. West Ham Southampton. Um, good game. West Ham played very well. I was hoping they wouldn't, but um, <laughs> Southampton looks so open. I don't know whether they're going to adopt the same tactic, but uh, if they do, I would say we need to kind of be up and at them from the start. Um, I've seen a bit of a theory that maybe Marco Stieperman should possibly come back in. I wouldn't be totally I, averse you know to what? that. I um, I think I said, I can't remember where I said it, the back of his penalty and how he took it mm. and just the because the penalty shootout it's all about your belief isn't yeah. it I, I just thought he, he looked really confident and came on and did okay and um i just you know you feel like if he could get over the issues of, of belief which i thought sort of caused him most issues over yeah. the first few weeks of the season you know he played against manchester city in I- that win by the way um the you know, there's something there in a position where Norwich really do need some combative yes. yep. and someone who can score a goal. Yes. That's the thing. It's it, if it's if his head's in the right place, he can he can deliver. And, that. and I think the the issue when Stephen was playing at the start of the season was we were just far too open. And now it seems, as Stu's already mentioned, uh, it's the opposite is true. Where we concede, well, we're, mm. we're not conceding, but we're just not looking positive enough going forward. And 
dude has not shone <laughs> as any of our loan signings appear to have not done. Um, so I'd maybe be in favour of him. Uh, I mean, my theory and answer to this is quite simple. If you take the shirt of a Rup or Duda, then I'm quite happy for you to play because I've been I've been quite underwhelmed by both of the January arrivals. I think um, I think if Norwich get in a position where they are down, mm. I don't think you'll be seeing Duda playing because no. what's the point? <laughs> to be brutally honest, but we will see. Uh, and the thing about Southampton, they are really open because they basically rely on this press where they just pin yes. you in completely. If you can break the press, yeah. The problem was... Which we're quite half. good at. Well, well but that the first half at Southampton, yeah, they really weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's true. Did. I was at that game that as well. That was... Poor old Ibra never got over it. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um, it's now 4-0. So I think on that note, um, Leicester, are um, they've thoroughly put Aston Villa to the sword, which helps. That's a happy note to end on, isn't I it? I think it is for us. We're, we're where we were. <laughs> we're where we are. And if anything, we've closed the gap on the goal difference to Villa. So we've improved. We've literally weekend. improved in the space of this podcast. What a positive. Which is just how it works. Don't know if well, I said this on the pod. <laughs> Villa, Norwich, Bournemouth. Yeah, that's what you're going with, is it? Nah, that's so you're, just rele- you're still relegating us? I'm still relegating well, us. I- go to bed. <laughs> uh, remember, if you subscribe to The Athletic, then make sure you log on to the website or app two hours after every Norwich City kickoff to discuss all the key topics from the match action with me. And that includes Saturday's visit from Southampton, which is a 3pm Saturday kickoff. <laughs> Who knew? And as I said at the top of the pod, you can listen to these podcasts ad-free through our app. When you subscribe to The Athletic, you get 40% off, which effectively makes it £36 for a whole year with the special on the board code Norwich pod uh, but that is it for OTB this week the podcast is freely available on all of the podcast players and your podcast player of choice so please spread the word if you would like to get in touch with us then uh, sling me a tweet or direct message at Twitter or on Twitter at Michael J Bailey uh, in the meantime a big thank you to Steve thanks Steve thanks very much Michael and for the house thanks Stu thank you thank you for having me always a pleasure uh, thanks to you all for listening as always we'll be back next week with another edition of on the ball a norwich city podcast from the athletic until then never mind the danger mm-hmm.